1: Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well and that all manner of things are well. Today is Friday, and um, it's a day of, um, of, should be of abstinence, that we abstain from meat. And if we don't abstain from meat, we need to make another sacrifice. The church has never given up that manner of sacrifice. I mentioned last Friday that we were going to read a story to you, um, and we didn't. And so, because uh, we needed to uh, have an encore. So, I'm going to um, read a story today, and it's just so, so beautiful if I can get to the beginning of it. Hold on a minute. <clears throat> um, and Monday, we're going to start something very exciting. Um, but here for today, um, is a story. It's actually from. You should get these books. Um, Catholic. Um, hold on now a minute. Uh, Catholic. It's Catholic tales for boys and girls, and it's from um, Carol Houselander is the author of these stories. They are so magnificent. I know you don't want children's stories, but I tell you, you do. I've been reading them to our sisters here, and they melt. It is so beautiful. Children's stories are not for children. They never are. Children love them, but the adults really, really get them. It's just beautiful. And um, it begins with one story called Terrible Farmer Timson. Now, you're going to still be able to call in with your calls and questions and emails um, at the second half. But let me just read this for you, and Monday we're going to begin something very, very exciting. Terrible Father Timson. And again, you can get this book, Catholic Stories for Catholic Boys and Girls, and the second one is called More Catholic Tales for Boys and Girls. I have to get the exact title during the break, Um, but it's... um, They're two beautiful books, and I would have them, I would begin to gather um, good books on saints and stories for the family, on the faith, um, and the good catechism. If you don't have a copy of the catechism explained... um, uh, I would I would try to get that, um, and we'll talk about that more on Monday. But for now, let me give you a taste of this. Terrible father, farmer, Timson. <clears throat> Jill and Audrey woke up in the farmhouse bedroom on the first morning of the summer holidays. At first, they were not awake enough to know just why they felt so happy. Then the sounds and smells of the holidays gathered into the morning. The cock crowing, Um, A scarlet sound like a penion blowing out curling on the wind. The sound of milk cans and hobnail boots on flagstones. The sound of voices that were slow and buried and bird and uh, spoke words that were brown and velvet like the bees' backs. The smell of grass in the early sun and of clover in the grass. All day their delight folded and took new shapes getting the eggs for breakfast and feeling them warm and softly polished in the palms of one hand, wearing old blue overalls and no shoes or stockings or gloves or hats, picking fruit and eating it outdoors and at last evening, and the night bringing a darkness that was gentle and moved along under the trees in the orchid like deep blue clouds clouds and stars among the branches like golden fruit, Jill and Audrey remembered that all the loveliness of the day was God's gift. And then they remembered the promise they had made, that although they were alone in the charge of Mrs. Brown, who was not a Catholic, they would ask George Brown to drive them to Mass in the pony, the pony cart every Sunday, for tomorrow was Sunday." George, however, shook his head. The pony had gone lame. Jill said, it doesn't matter, we could walk. But Mrs. Brown laughed at the very idea. It's four miles there and four miles back, she said. That's eight miles. You couldn't walk eight miles. And what's more, almighty God would not expect it of you. Audrey said slowly no perhaps he wouldn't and anyway it wouldn't be a sin not to go but really we do walk eight miles in the fields I'm sure and if God doesn't expect it it would make him all the happier like giving him a surprise course said George if you be that set on going it is a shortcut through the farmer farmer Timson's land only if he caught you he'd carry on terrible he don't let no one cross his land a fair caution he is couldn't we ask him well you could but there's no saying what he'd say well we'll try said audrey and taking the candle from the kitchen table and holding it above her like a um like a seer rather like a star she climbed the wooden stairs to the bedroom farmer timson had a miserable day Saturday was always a black day with him. He sat in his lovely wood and stared through the big leaves, and just because the leaves were all lovely with the light of the evening, he was all the more wretched. He picked a wild flower and crushed it between his big finger and thumb. It hurt him to see it look looking so frail and lovely when he felt himself to be so rotten. Yes, rotten. That's what he felt. When he was a boy, and even when he was a man, Saturday was confession day, and he had looked forward to it, yes, looked forward to coming back along the white road into this very wood and feeling that now that he was free of all his sins, the flowers and the birds and all the lovely wild things were his friends. Then the foolish man had quarreled with the priest a priest who had been dead many years now, and so he had not gone to the church along the road anymore. And he had put notices up all around his fences, forbidding people to pass. And everyone had forgotten that old Timson had ever been a Catholic. Everyone but he. He was a fair caution now, as George said, a man with his heart aching for something he could not have, just because his own silly will would not let him be humble enough to go and get it. But he was so unhappy that he simply had to pretend to himself that he was very fierce and terrible and didn't mind a bit. When people came to ask him timidly if they might take the shortcut through his land, he shouted, no, so angrily that in the end no one came anymore. On this particular Saturday, he was lonelier than ever, so he crushed flowers in his fingers and tried to think of some notice to put up that would be even more alarming than the others. Sitting contentedly in the grass and the white clover, a red cow gazed at him with her quiet eyes. She sat in a field just beyond the wood, so still, so still, that she was... Uh, she was, that she might have been, let me read that again, so still she was, that she might have been one of those cardboard cows that gazed so gently across the manger in the crib at Christmas time. Idiot, said Farmer Timson, looking at her, idiot. And when in return for this unprovoked insult, she gazed at him all the more softly, lying quite still, he went into the tool shed and prepared a new notice. Beware of the mad bull. <laughs> Audrey and Jill stood a little doubtfully outside Farmer Timson's gate. It was useless to deny that their Sunday clothes lessened their courage. And when they discovered that they could pass through Farmer Timson's land only at the cost of persecution, their hearts sank. For there in front of them was the notice, trespassers will be persecuted. That is what it seemed to say. But the letters were a little worn with weather and age, and Audrey's eyes grew big. You've often said, remarked Jill, that you would like to be persecuted. Yes, said Audrey doubtfully. I did used to think perhaps I'd like to be a martyr "'I'm sure I would after I'd been eaten by the lion. "'Only I've never thought of how it would be before. "'Sometimes the lions turn out to be tame like Daniels. "'Yes, but not always. "'Well, we'd better go on.' "'They went on to the gate, "'and there across the top bars they read, "'Beware savage dogs.' "'Oh, that's worse than lions,' said Audrey. "'No, it isn't. Dogs don't eat you.' No, but they bite, and then instead of being a martyr who's forgotten he was ever eaten, you are a bitten person who's not in heaven. (laughs) Jill felt she must stop Audrey from talking. When you aren't worthy to be eaten, she says, when you aren't worthy to be eaten, she said, God might be pleased to allow you only to be bitten. (laughs) And very firmly she opened the gate. Just then, a dog came slowly out of the bushes, wagging its tail. (laughs) A fat, white, smiling dog. Look, said Jill, God is making the dogs, dogs lame. We better have more faith. Come on. Well, we will continue this story. Um, when we come back from the break, beloved, and I believe we'll finish it before the first half hour, and then we can take your calls, emails, and texts the second half hour. Don't go away. Our toll-free number is one and email is mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring. It's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says the children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again! And the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
3: The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio.
2: You can listen to any of our network produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts, hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one. Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform.
0: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are in the
1: middle of the most wonderful story from the book, Catholic Tales for Boys and Girls, by Carol Houselander. These stories, I said earlier, are so wonderful. I've read them to the sisters here, and they delight in them. They're for children, but I think they're a little more for adults. And we are in a story of um, uh, the old farmer, um, and who uh, had a, he had been Catholic, he grew up Catholic, but he had a terrible argument with the priest many years ago, and he's never returned to church, never gone to confession, and grew terribly bitter, and he wouldn't let anybody on his land, but his land was kind of a shortcut to church. And so little brother and sister Audrey and Jill were going Trying to do a court, uh, take a shortcut. <laughs> I <laughs> said that backwards. Take a shortcut through farmers' um, land. Um, and But they came across a sign that said on the top of a gate, um, Beware savage dogs. Oh, I'm just backtracking uh, one little uh, paragraph here. Oh, that's worse than lions, said Audrey. No, it isn't. Dogs don't eat you. No, but they bite. And then instead of being a martyr who's forgotten he was ever eaten, you're a bitter person who's not in heaven. (laughs) Jill felt that she must stop Audrey from talking. When you aren't worthy to be eaten, she said, God might be pleased to allow you only to be bitten. (laughs) And very firmly she opened the gate. Just then a dog came slowly out of the bushes, wagging its tail a fat white smiling dog look said jill god is making the dogs tame we better have more faith come on so with the dog trotting beside them they crossed the first field and came into the small wood it was very still and filled only with the sound of bird notes and bird wings and the crackling of the twigs where they walked Their white kid shoes became green with moss, and once or twice their dresses were torn on thorns. Maybe Audrey is a girl, sorry, Jill and Audrey. As to their gloves, they became filthy, but otherwise they went safely and began to feel quite brave again about martyrdom. But they were unaware that farmer Timson himself was hidden among the trees at the far edge of the wood. You see, said Jill, patting the dog's head, it's all right. After all, there aren't any savage dogs or lions. Well, I think, Audrey answered, that God softened the dog's heart for our sakes. So it may be he'll soften the farmer's heart, too. Well, George said he's a fair caution. George is the non-Catholic, that, uh, that the children living with now. Well, George said he's a fair caution. Yes, but a fair caution isn't awfuler than a savage dog. Poor old man, I feel sorry for him, being so angry when all the things around him are so gentle. Farmer Timson, hiding in the trees, scowled. So I'm being run down behind my back, he thought to himself, But he waited, and suddenly Jill and Audrey stood stock still and gasped. Audrey spoke first in a very small voice. Jill, she said, Do you see? Beware of the mad bull. Jill nodded. Her throat had gone dry. As a matter of fact, she was a little afraid, even of cows, when George Brown wasn't there. What shall we do? this time audrey was braver let's pray to god to turn the bull sensible and gentle and then go on but suppose god doesn't then said audrey suddenly drawing a deep breath and holding it in let's go on and offer it up for father timson to be turned gentle and sensible well said jill doing the same kind of breath i suppose we'd better farmer timson leaned forward among the leaves Until now, those two children had been just voices to him. Now, very softly, he parted leaves with his big fingers and peeped at them. What he saw was two small girls who looked smaller still to him because he was a big man. Jill and Audrey held hands tightly and stepped into the field, just like the martyrs used to step into the Colosseum at Rome. Little girls were an unusual sight in this field, and the red cow was an inquisitive old animal. She twitched a fly from her ear, whisked her tail, and prepared to stand up. Audrey and Jill began to run. Father Timson, who was suddenly overcome with shame at his own mean trick, ran too out of the green woods after them. One glance over their shoulder. <coughs> showed a more awful sight than even a standing-up bull. It showed a huge, red-faced man who could be no other than the terrible farmer in full chase. Jill and Audrey ran faster. Behind them, a voice thundered, There are no savage dogs! There are no mad bulls! But savage dogs and mad bulls was all that they heard. They ran on. Stumbling on the tufts of grass, their hats blew off and they never thought of picking them up. Father Timson yelled again, there are only kind dogs, gentle cows, but still they ran. Then quite close, they heard again, kind dogs, gentle cows, and a huge hand seized each child by the shoulder. Uh. Ten minutes later, Audrey and Jill Their hats held carefully for them by Father Timson were washing their faces under the tap in Father Timson's scullery. Then he prepared two mugs of milk. Certainly God had heard their prayer for a more gentle and sensible old man they had never met. You sit down, he said, and drink your milk while I get out the pony trap. I'll drive you to Mass, and you'll be there in fine time. I don't think we're fit to go into church now, said Audrey. It's I who am not fit to go, said the farmer. Would you believe it? I've left my soul. I've let my soul get all muddied up like your dresses and shoes just because I was too big a coward to say I was sorry to God. But there's time to put that right before Mass, too. So come along. You? A coward, said Jill, I thought you were a caution. (laughs) Age, and maybe um, I, and maybe I was that too. But when I saw you little scraps going past what you thought was a mad bull because you wanted to help me, I just gave up being a coward and a caution too. So hurry up now, for the priest is busy on a Sunday, and I've got to make my confession before Mass. Oh, dear ones, that's the end of the story. We read two stories a night, but we don't have time here for a second story. But isn't it beautiful? And it's not just for children. It's for big people too, for old farmers and and young executives and every sort of adult and every sort of child. Are you listening? Are you here? Have you not been to confession for 20 years? or 30, or 100, it doesn't matter. God is waiting for you in that confessional. Yeah, but he must be awfully mad at me. No, he's not mad at you. He loves you. He died for you. But I can't tell this priest what I've done. I'll tell you something. There's nothing a priest hasn't heard. He's heard it all. He's heard everything. There's no new confession to him. Yeah, but but I've stayed away too long, and, and I don't even know that I can remember all my sins. Don't worry about that. Just... Tell the priest what you remember. But a man can't forgive my sins. God forgives your sins through a man. Well, why does he do it that way? Because he chose to do it that way. And he chose to ordain men to the priesthood in order to forgive your sins. Yeah, but some priests are pretty bad these days. Well, yes, you're right. They are. Some priests have lost their faith. Some priests are into sin. But in the confessional, They are not themselves. It is God who forgives sins. And in the confessional, it is God who says through that priest, I absolve you. The priest could be in mortal sin. The priest could be terrible. He may have lost his faith. But as long as he's still a priest, and he says, I absolve you, you are absolved by God. Because God enters that man and tells you, you are absolved. The priest still needs to go to confession and forgive his own sins to get his own sins forgiven. But if a priest says, I absolve you, you are absolved. And because it is by God. And then he's going to give you a penance. You mean I got to do the penance in order to be forgiven? No. You do the penance because you're forgiven. Not in order to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. What do you mean? If you had a little son... And you told your little son not to play in Mrs. Smith's backyard. And he's a very obedient little boy, and he's very good. But this day, he takes his friend, and he goes and plays in Mrs. Smith's backyard. Because it's a larger yard than his at home. And he wants to play baseball with his friend. And he knows he's doing wrong, but he goes. And he plays baseball, and the ball goes through Mrs. Smith's window. And now you've done it. And because your mom and dad have raised, because you've raised your little son right, uh, he goes to Mrs. Smith, knocks on her door, and says, Mrs. Smith, I shouldn't have been playing in your yard. I know. Our mom told us not to, but, um, but we did. We disobeyed today, and the ball went through your window. We didn't mean to break it. We're sorry. And Mrs. Smith is so impressed with your little son. She says, Johnny, it's okay, sweetheart. Thank you for telling me. I forgive you. I'll take care of the window. And he comes home, all forgiven, and he says, Mom or Pop, um, I went into Mrs. Smith's backyard today, and I played baseball with Henry, and I know I shouldn't have, but the ball went through her window, and it broke, and we didn't mean to, Mom, but I went to Mrs. Smith, and I told her, and she forgave me. Um, okay, is that okay? And you would say, um, It's okay, Johnny. It's a good thing you did to go to Mrs. Smith and apologize, and I'm very glad she forgave you. But you are forgiven. But I tell you, you have to do a penance. You have to repair the window. You have to make reparation for what you did. You're forgiven before God, but the temporal effects of your sin need to be expiated, need to be atoned for, because you've affected not only God, but Mrs. Smith and others. And so you need to mow Mrs. Smith's lawn for the next month, and you need to clean up your room every week, and you need to help Mom with the dishes for the next month. Now, is that going to pay the cost of Mrs. Smith's window? But as far as Johnny is concerned, he will have made reparation for the sin of playing in Mrs. Smith's yard and for the consequences of that, her broken window. That's what happens when we go to God, beloved. He forgives our sins through the priest. Then he gives us a penance in order to repay the earthly damage that we've done and repair Mrs. Smith's window. It's all from God. And if we fail to do that penance, it shows our uh, repentance, our sorrow is not sincere. And if it isn't sincere, we are not forgiven the graces we have withheld from us until we are truly repentant. There's the music for our first break, beloved. When we come back, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts, with anything that's on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. If the cares and
2: anxieties of life are weighing you down, come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and allow the Lord to refresh your soul. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center devoted to praying and promoting the liturgy of the hours. You'll find a tranquil atmosphere that's ideal for deep prayer, whether as an individual or for a group retreat. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Make your reservation today or learn more at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life.
1: beloved this is mother miriam many of you are familiar with mother miriam live but i wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the station of the cross such as the catholic current father robert mctaig discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m eastern you can listen anytime to the catholic current as a podcast on the iCatholic radio mobile app
3: bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road.
0: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together,
1: and I love it. I love when you call in with anything that's on your heart. I say always that the the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It does not need to be our topic. It can, but it should be whatever is most on your heart. And the toll-free number again... Is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at cross dot com. We're going to take an email from Christopher, which we began yesterday, but it was right at the end of the program. We could not finish, so I'll read it from the beginning. Christopher writes: Good morning, Mother. I read today that the Archbishop of Munich, Germany, suggested that the Catholic Church should loosen celibacy rules for clergy because, as he states, for some priests, it would be better if they were married, not just for sexual reasons, but because it would be better for their life and they wouldn't be lonely. End quote. Why is the word priest even being mentioned in a conversation about sexual intimacy in the first place? If a man is not willing to devote his life to God and therefore sacrifice sexual relations, why did he ever enter the priesthood to begin with? Does this way of thinking not suggest that God is no longer worthy of that sacrifice? This makes absolutely zero sense to me, Mother, whoever you are Christopher I love you already Christopher goes on he also stated that this could serve as a way to overcome the sexual abuse crisis in the church what an absolutely vile thing to say you're right Christopher now it's the fault of the one true church and not the evil men who committed these acts because the rules are too strict is this not blatant heresy yes it is this says a lot about the current state of our church. An archbishop, a supposed leader of the clergy, makes it a point to publicly advocate for the destruction of his own church while millions of other priests will surely hear his message and adopt the same mindset. It's no wonder why it feels impossible to find a good priest anymore? I'd appreciate your thoughts. Well, on your last point, Christopher, um, I millions of other priests might surely hear his message, but if they adopt the same mindset, then there's something wrong with their priesthood. Um, a man doesn't become a priest, and then the church requires him to be celibate. He doesn't become a priest unless he is called to celibacy. And so it's not something the church puts on him. He needs to be called to celibacy, a life of celibacy from God. And then, um, if the church thinks he is called to the priesthood, he can further be made a priest. Uh, one called to celibacy doesn't mean he should be a priest. But if he's not called to celibacy, he should never apply to the priesthood. So the thinking is is quite backwards. And um, you're right; it is vile. Um, uh, there are single men who are not priests who must remain celibate outside of marriage. There are single women who are not married who must remain celibate. Church, uh, um, uh, religious, I'm one of them, it must remain celibate. Um, Is it a a struggle sometimes? Are there temptations? Are are priests and nuns and other single people normal? Uh, Yes, absolutely. But we give all up to God. And there's a way to channel our love and even emotions and temptations to God. The scriptures say our Lord was tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. And so we trust that. Um, It's not sin to be tempted. But if one is tempted and lives in that temptation, then James says it, it indeed becomes sin. Um, so the Archbishop of Munich is wrong. He's actually a disgrace to the Church and to the world that the world would hear such, such language, such reasoning, such thinking. Um, it's not at all Catholic. It's not what our Lord has called um, priests priests or religious, or anyone else who is celibate. Um, uh, deacons, if they're not married, must remain celibate. If they are married, they can remain married. But if their spouse dies, they need to remain celibate as well. These are men who are not interested in living the faith, who are consumed by their own passions and desires, and do not believe that they are married to the church, the Bride of Christ. There's a, uh, Michael writes it on Facebook Mother, I'm volunteering at, for the St. Louis Marion Conference. Have you ever been invited to speak? I have, Michael. Um, in fact, I have spoken at that conference in the past. And Eleanor Finian has invited me since, but it's very difficult now for me uh, to continue to receive speaking engagements or accept them, um, because this order of Benedictines that God has allowed us to form is number one, and I I have done a number of things um, by podcast, but to travel and and speak at conferences, it would be a, a very rare situation that I would accept that. Um, but it's a good conference. St. Louis Marian Conference is a good conference, and you can trust Eleanor to have very good, faithful Catholic speakers. We have an email from Michael, who says, Hi, Mother Miriam, I enjoy your informative show. It's very uplifting and educational. Thank you, Michael. Very good work, Mother. My question, my wife Imelda, oh, I rarely meet people called Imelda. Melda, I think, died when she was 11, receiving the eucharist she the minute the eucharist was put on her tongue she died and her body is still incorrupt i've seen it Um, he says my wife imelda and i are grandparents to a sweet one-year-old granddaughter named willow grace our son and his wife-to-be this june are not practicing catholics and do not go to church we would very much like to have our granddaughter baptized." How do we approach the subject without having them turn on us? They are us. Rather, they see us go to Mass every Sunday. Your comments, Mother Miriam. Thanks, Michael. Well, Michael, um, the greatest definition of evangelism I've ever heard is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. If you approach them... um, as a beggar, uh, saying, you know, we want to tell you uh, where we found life, where we found the true food, and all of that. Um, uh, We just want to tell you our story, and to tell you where you too can find a happiness and a faith, uh, an eternal faith beyond anything you've known. And... um, you may think you know the Catholic Church. I don't know. But um, it's the one for whom our Lord died and gave his life. And talk to them a little. And if they say, well, okay, we know you believe that. That's not our faith. And, um, and, and you know, we hope you're happy and all. If they, if they don't receive it, um, uh, then I would go on to say, you know, um, a little willow. Um, I'm going to guess you're not going to raise her Catholic. Um, In the Catholic Church, uh, God has given us baptism, which is a sacrament. It's water. Water doesn't save anybody. But God gave us the sign of water to show what he does in our souls. And as a baby is baptized, and water poured over that baby, and uh, the Trinitarian formula that she is baptized... Uh, In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, God enters her soul and does what that baptism, what that water signifies, and cleanses her of original sin and pours into her his grace. And I know you don't believe that, but we believe it very much. We believe it's what God has given. And we are wondering if, in case it's true, of course we believe it's true, if you would allow, you you don't want to baptize, perhaps, Little Willie Willow Grace, because you would also be responsible if she's baptized for raising her in the Catholic faith. Um, and I know you're not prepared or ready to do that. If you are, it would be wonderful, and I could help you into RCIA. But if not, would you allow us, with you there, um, to be her godparents and to uh, have her baptized? You should be there. You're her parents and be part of the ceremony. But we'll be the godparents and it will be, we will agree to raise her Catholic. You're raising her, but we will help her we will give her little books to read and you could read them to her uh we'll do everything you know with your knowledge nothing apart from that we'll even take you to church every sunday Um, so we'd love to do that no judgment on you but we'd love to do that Um, then you'll have sunday mornings free (laughs) Um, and and just go very very gently that it's something you would love to do not in judgment for them Um, but very, very lovingly and slowly and carefully. And if they could be a part of reading some books to her, it it may be the very way that their own little daughter will bring them into the church and the love of God. We have an email from BJ, who writes, Good Morning Mother, I heard you mention that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, which brings me to a question I have. I've been pondering but felt too embarrassed to ask because it had never occurred to me in my 70 years of being a practicing Catholic. I tell you what, um, BJ, there are Catholics who have been Catholics longer than you, and and even myself, I'm a Catholic 27 years now. I can't even believe it's that long. I feel so new. Um, and the questions I've never thought of, so never be embarrassed. It seems the older I get, the less I know. Okay, there you are. That's a true statement if I ever heard one. The older I get, the less I know. The more we know, it's someone else's statement, the more we know, the more we know that we don't know. We're always learning. Please, God. Okay. So... BJ says, um, I hope I can phrase this question correctly. Here goes. (laughs) Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became man through the Incarnation. Correct. After the resurrection and ascension into heaven, does Jesus retain his human nature as well as his divine nature? I'm not sure I've expressed myself clearly, but thanks in advance for your clear answer. Sincerely, BJ. You've asked it extremely clearly, BJ. And the answer is yes. He retains his human nature as well as his divine nature. He is God forever. And he is the God-man forever. And he is remains at the right hand of the Father. 100% God. 100% man. And when we get to heaven... Uh, the Scriptures say that we will see a lamb as if as if slain. We will see the nails in his hands and the hole for the spear thrust in his side. We will see a man who is God we will indeed, but there in his glorified body, and we will be in our glorified bodies, and therefore able to see him and not perish. Yes, it's a wonderful question, BJ, and I, I I would even suggest there are many, many people listening who said, I've been a Catholic for 80 years. I never even thought of that question. Good thinking, BJ. Very good. So God bless you, and never be embarrassed to ask anything. Um, I'm uh, often embarrassed because I don't have the answer and that's because I lack humility. We don't have to have the answers, but we can look them up. Not a problem. Okay. We have um, uh, a Facebook uh, message from Catherine coming up uh, right after the break there, Catherine. And this is a perfect time for anybody to call in toll-free during the break and we'll take your calls right after we come back. And the toll-free number again, one 511 or email at mother at the station of We'll be right back.
3: In the New Testament's first letter of Saint John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 we read and we have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask we know that what we have asked him for is ours It's incredible to realize how much God loves us what he has promised us and what he'll give us through our trust in him Have you prayed for the station of the cross today we would be grateful if you would remember us each day in your prayers whether it's the most holy rosary of the blessed virgin mary the chaplet of divine mercy the liturgy of the hours the most holy sacrifice of the mass or any other prayers you pray throughout the day please also pray for the intentions of your fellow catholic radio listeners it's so important for us to remember to keep one another in prayer The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters, who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the Gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give.
0: I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it.
2: I was attending the chapel and places like that, and through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross.
3: Donate today at thestationofthecross.com.
0: to Mother Miriam Live. This is our
1: last segment. We've got 10 minutes and our lines are wide open. You're always welcome to call in. I'll give you the number again, toll free, one 5483 or email at mother at com. We have a, um, a message on Facebook from Catherine who says, Hi Mother, thank you so much for speaking the truth even when we may not want to hear it. That's what mothers do even to their children. Catherine says, I was wondering your thoughts on the 5G network rollout. Knowing companies like AT&T are friends with the CCP, it seems like this technology will further evil plans to control and monitor the population. Um, I'll, I'll interrupt your um, uh, text at that point, or your email at that point, uh, Catherine, because I've heard the same. I, I, I cannot speak... Um, um, uh, to the 5G network rollout, I've heard that it's going to be harmful and that, yes, the government is tracking everyone or a number of people and and looking to do so more. Um, but that's just part of this great reset and uh, one world government and total control. Uh, but I, I can't speak technically to the 5G rollout. Um, I've heard that it's dangerous. i heard that it's no good. Uh, And I heard that it's evil, again, to control, as you said, and monitor the population. And Catherine says, on a related note, so many of us are always attached to our phones, myself included, even though I'd like to cut back on carrying my phone with me. I feel like it's a necessity to always have it nearby. For example, when I'm driving in the car somewhere with the kids, responding to doctor's appointments, etc., um, could you please advise how we can learn to lessen our dependence on our phones and check ourselves that we are not idolizing our phones. Thank you very much. May God bless you and your work, Catherine. Catherine, um, once we get, I'm going to use the word addicted to our phones, because we are, we're addicted to them. I see little children, you know, five years old on monkey bars, sitting there with their cell phones. Um, And so it's very, very difficult because we consider it quickly a necessity. But there was no, when I grew up, and I'm I'm less than 300 years old, there were no computers. There were no cell phones. Um, We barely had a telephone that we could use. Um, I saw my first TV when I was nine years old, and we were allowed to watch it one half hour a week. So it's possible that people can live without the computer and they can live without cell phones. And I've been um, informed, or at least um, many prophecies and others who have a sense of the future, um, have told us that uh, in not too long from now, we will not be able to use cell phones or computers at all. We will be completely without them. I, I don't know the timing of that. But I think it's a good thing for us to try to lessen our dependence. So I don't think, for example, children never had phones. They went to school. Families were intact, and they uh, had exchanged messages with their with their parents when they came home from school. If there was ever ever an emergency, the parent would call um, the school and and tell the child the emergency or get the child out of class or whatever it was. There's no reason why we can't go back to that. There's no reason why anyone, uh, children, um, should have cell phones. In fact, I know you're going to hate me for this. Um, If there's any young people living, I know you're going to... Listening, rather. You'll hate me for this. No, don't, Ma, don't listen, Ma. Pop, don't listen to that. Don't listen to Mother Miriam. You don't have to listen to me. But... um, uh, I think it's a little crazy that children have cell phones. Um, they are practically illiterate. Uh, the cell phones have taken away their ability to think, to spell, to correctly write, to read. There's no grammar. They they write in symbols. U R is the letters U and R. I'm not. I don't even answer. Text or emails when they're written that way. I just delete them. We need to, to communicate. Children used to write letters. They used to learn proper grammar. They learned cursive. They don't even be being taught cursive in school anymore. It's all printing, and the printing sometimes is pretty bad. So um, I'd say it's a good thing for your children to not have cell phones. Doctors' appointments, we never, you know, we made appointments by landline. Uh, by mail, and you can do that today uh, they don 't have to be while you 're riding in the car you can you can respond to that, get a landline, just get a landline and try as much as you can uh, to start living without electricity because I think that 's going to be a reality before l- too long, especially with the threat of a third world on, third wor- world war on us so I think You've you got the right idea, Catherine. We have to lessen our dependence on our cell phones um, and check ourselves that we are not idolizing our phones. And so um, I think it's a good time to start. Don't have your children have cell phones. Um, um, and again, get a, if you don't have a landline, get a landline. Let people speak on the landline as they used to they don't have to be able to be reached all the time all day long anymore i know it's it's um, it's our way of life husbands and wives communicate all day children with their parents all day but we can go back to an older way of living that was a lot healthier for us because the carrying these iphones give us instant satisfaction on any thought instant gratification (coughs) A wife could call her husband and say, will you bring home a quart of milk? This is a good thing. But in the old days, we used to plan. And uh, if we have to make an extra trip, we make an extra trip. So um, it's it'll be harder for us. But I think it's a good thing to start, to learn to live uh, lessening your phone use, lessening your computer lo- use, um, and begin to plan uh, for growing your own food, and for the day where there'll be no electricity and no wireless communication at all. Um, you might have to discontinue your iPhone just not to be traced so that your family could be safe. I think it's a good thing to start working on that right now. Um, hold on a moment. We have a message from Mark also on Facebook, he said, Mother, my Catholic school just terminated me as a theology teacher a few weeks ago in my 23rd year of teaching there. Surface reason, not a surprise. For months I said I would not submit to a forced mask mandate. Underlying reason, I was one of only a handful also refusing these awful shots that they were not only approving but pushing. They tried to hide that this was the reason for my being terminated i sent a message to the parents of my students as well as my colleagues making it clear can you offer your thoughts on this mark you're being persecuted and you are the victim of this totalitarian uh, government that's growing more so every single day it is a reality you can sue them if you wish that may that may um uh, the Catholic high school is a disgrace, but um, you could sue on that, on the on the mask mandate. Uh some states, uh, the bishops have mandated masks, but the governor has said it's optional. Well, if the governor has said it's optional and you take it to a court, the judge will rule in your favor. Uh, bishops today are going against the government when the government can be more favorable at times, so um, your right to stand your ground mark and if it means you're persecuted by being fat fired so be it uh, y- you can sue because you're not suing faithful catholics you're suing a definitive evil so that's the end of our program beloved god bless you and we'll speak with you on monday have a good weekend god bless you